0: I'm Paul Higgins, an ex-corporate executive turned business owner who for five years struggled to grow a cloud consulting business whilst battling a chronic disease. With the help of mentors and experts, I got the business model right built a sales and marketing engine and developed a high-performing team that ended in a successful exit. I received a kidney transplant from a mate and now on my second life, I dedicate my time to helping other cloud consultants scale quickly with less effort to enjoy life. Detecting an accent, I'm an Aussie working globally from Melbourne, Australia. I interview successful cloud consultants sharing their scaling stories to give you inspiration and practical tips. I have dedicated experts Four cloud consultants on the show to save you time and money by working with the right people. If you want to scale quickly with less effort to enjoy life, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Paul Higgins and welcome to the Cloud Consultant Show episode number 493. Today's topic is acquiring success. That's it growing your business through acquisition and that being strategic acquisitions, you're going to find out why you would want to acquire, especially if you're a service business, you might want to add on a product business in this case. The second is the team needed and how you structure the deal and how you make it uh, seamless. And then the third thing is how you get the synergies out of the acquisition. If it's your first time, welcome. And if you love what you hear, please subscribe. If you're a regular, please let me know. Paul at paulhigginsmentoring.com. I love when I hear from you. And also suggest some topics and some guests. That'd be great. Uh, There's a summary in the app you're listening to. There's a full transcript at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. Remember episode number 493. And before we go into interview with Rohit, I'd like to talk to you about the Cloud Consultants Collective. It's a group of peers that are going to give you better answers quicker than Google, YouTube and ChatGDP. Don't believe us. Why don't you go try it for yourself? Just go to the cloudconsultantscollective.com to join for free today. And the next is the Workflow Academy. So if your team feel feel overwhelmed and you know that they could get some additional support, we've got a creative solution for you. We've partnered with someone that provides junior talent for your high performing talent. And they're going to love you for that. And you can find out more at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash our guest today is Rowan, is the founder and CEO of Target Integration. He started the company in 2008, and he was on a journey to build an honest and independent CRM and ERP company, which he's done. So, over 16 years' experience, he's worked in multiple industries: manufacturing, customer service, repaired telcos, etc. And he's got a broad range of experience. He's also, um, other than running. Target integration, say, he also has a keen interest in radio, which you'll tell by his voice. And he's got a show called Tech Talks on uh, Dublin City FM radio, uh, 103.2. And he's also on the Steering Committee of Ireland, India Business Association as well. So what I'll do now is hand you over to Rohit from targetintegration.com. Great to have you here, Rohit. Good to be here, Paul. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, look, I've had some wonderful conversations with you in the past, and it's now time that we share them with others. Uh, I think you've got a really interesting story to tell and something that a lot of partners aspire to do, but don't do it. So we're going to dive into that a little more in a moment, but why don't we kick off with uh, who are your ideal clients and uh, what problems you love to solve for them? Well the uh, ideal client for
1: target integration primarily is CRM and ERP well companies who are thinking of implementing digital transformation in their business they are thinking of looking at automation as a solution to their you know processes improving those processes further so we are always looking at businesses who are in distribution manufacturing services companies as well but ultimately they have realized that there is a gap in their process and that gap is manual. It, that gap is being fulfilled by people. And instead of relying on people, we want them to rely on technology. So our ideal client would be somewhere in the range of 10 to 200 employees. They are in distribution, manufacturing, they are dealing with businesses, and they are looking to optimize their processes.
0: Yeah, great. And and as you said, a lot of them are manual. They also got some legacy systems as well.
1: Yes, quite a number of times. And mind you, when I say manual nowadays, I call Microsoft Word with all due respect to them and Excel spreadsheets as manual processes. If you're copying and pasting things, if you're using pivot charts, if you're overly reliant on Excel spreadsheets, that's also another manual process for me. So from that perspective, sometimes they do have systems, sometimes they rely on Excel spreadsheets, they are relying on one of the companies that we recently helped them move out of their legacy system into a new system, actually our based, uh, the owner is an Australian gentleman. And they were using a 30 year old system, black screen, DOS based, and I was like, I'm not that old, but I do remember these systems. But, you know, it's very old. 30 years is a long time to be using a system. Nowadays, when we provide a system, we generally recommend our clients that you should upgrade every alternate year. Every two years, there should be an upgrade because the technology is running so fast that you can't cope up with it. You buy a mobile phone and by the time you have opened the box, you realize a new one is either announced or otherwise is out already. So it's the same as the, the situation with technology as well. And, yes, we help businesses move from legacy systems into modern new systems as well.
0: Yeah, great. Is there a pattern in the trigger points? Because, you know, someone's been doing it for 30 years, right? They, they've got comfortable. You know, what are some of those trigger points where they say, okay, now it's time to get Eurohead into help?
1: So, Paul, uh, there is a very popular statistic, a number, um, in the industry, and it says businesses can live with their problems for up to three years. I would say in some cases, it's 30 years as well. But anyway, that's another day's story. (laughs) Businesses can rely on people. Every time you talk to a business owner, their solution to a problem generally can be, I'll hire another person. But that's not a person problem. If you realize that, you know, you're finding it difficult to hire people in a particular department, if you realize that there is, you know, over reliant on paper in the business as well, these are the trigger points. Now people do talk about sustainability and green agenda as well, and they go hand in hand. But the biggest trigger points are when you realize that there is waste in your process, when you're doing something and it's not adding value to the customer's final product that's the trigger point
0: point. and is it you know is there are natural ones where someone's getting ready for sale someone's getting ready for a transitional change a family transitional change are you sort of seeing those those things especially in the manufacturing distribution sectors where you focus
1: yeah, um, we have seen situations where, you know, the uh, son of the owner comes in and all of a sudden generation changes and all of a sudden they are already tuned into technology. We have seen situations where, you know, you have a new you know manager come in and they realize they want to do this. It quite a number of times it's education. Yes. But the business owner or the managers, if they're going through learnings, if they're going through their own education, they automatically tune into latest technology. They automatically look at what's out there. So we, you know, on a regular basis, run webinars and, uh, you know, go to shows and all showing people, look, this is possible. And once they know it's possible. And then their brains open up and go, now I can actually think of an implementation of this in my business as well. Have
0: you seen any trends? I was talking to someone about this uh, today, actually. Trends around AI is going to get to the point where it mines your data, right? Like at the moment, it's mining data. You know, chat GDP is two or three years old, whatever it is. But, you know, in the future, it's going to mine your data. And if you don't have your data accessible to AI or you don't have data in the right structure, you're not going to be able to do that, obviously. So have you seen any of the taxi driver, everybody talking about chat GDP at the moment, have you seen that had any uh, flow through with people making changes quicker than maybe what they used to? Not in the CRM
1: and ERP domain, but quite a lot in the custom software domain. So we have clients where, yes, when they realize that, you know, they're looking for a product of their own or they're looking for a custom software and the off-the-shelf package isn't going to crack the nut for them. They go for a custom software and when they go for a custom software, that's where we have had queries from our customers to say, look, we would like to enhance our product for it to be able to be integrated with ChatGPT and be able to deliver insights to businesses as well. So it's, you know, quite important, but yes, it's not as mainstream yet in the CRM ERP
0: side of business. Yeah. Okay. And look, I know that you, you know, you're Microsoft, Auto, SAP, HubSpot, Zendesk, you're doing professional services originally, and then you decide to go and get into the product game, That's right. So take us through first, why did you decide to get in the product game? And then we'll talk about how you went and did that. Okay. So product started as,
1: look... It's a very similar analogy. We realized that we were always dependent on third party software providers. And on, you know, when we were dependent on third party software providers, you're dependent on what they provide you, which means that you're also dependent on them fixing the bugs, which can be frustrating for some of our customers. So our customers are going, look, why are you not giving us the best quality of service? Why can you not fix this issue? Let's go. Sorry, I don't have access to the code because this is a SaaS software, you know, I can't fix the code. So that's why we decided we will have some of our products. So that's where we worked upon, you know, a couple of products of our own. They're small, they're not big. Like one is a password manager we are working on, one is a loan management system we are working on, and they are nascent, you know, new products. But yes, there'll be small products which will complement some of the other software providers. So none of them are competing software with our third party providers, but... They'll complement their offerings.
0: Yeah, great. So so you start small, all of a sudden you go and buy a if I got my numbers right, hundred and thirty person business. So where does it go from start small to I'm gonna go and acquire another company to speed up the <laughs> mix of services versus product? Yeah.
1: Um I think product we haven't exploited it as much. We, you know, quite young at that. Services-wise because we are a services company, we decided last year that we will acquire a company to expand our reach into other geographies. Now, mind you, it wasn't significantly different from what we were doing anyways. We were always in Birmingham in the UK, and we decided we are going to acquire another business somewhere in the region and found a company in uh, Oxford. And we, you know, had a chat with the business owner, spoke to them about their ambitions, their targets and everything. And there was quite a lot of alignment between what we were doing and they were doing.
0: And how did you originally find them?
1: This was through, you know, networking events. Another friend, another colleague in a, at a networking event mentioned that there is a company if you would like to talk to them and I was like, okay, well, we never thought about it, but yes, we'll consider. And this thought actually brought us further back into it. And was there a broker involved or were you just direct? As I said, the, the, the gentleman is a friend as well, but yes, you can say he's a broker, but yeah, uh, we did pay brokerage and everything, but he's a good friend as well at this stage and helps me on a regular basis.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. And if you had to time again, would you use a broker again?
1: Yes, I think they make life easier. They actually take quite a lot of complexity out as well. It's uh, pretty much, you know, having that possibility of somebody who can speak the language, you know, like in our case, we were very new to it. So we realized that, yes, we can't do everything ourselves. The person can be connected to both sides as well. So that person easily was able to communicate with the other side on some of the terms that we wanted to get into the contract. And uh, same way, with us as well, they were able to speak to us simply and say, look, probably do it this way. Okay, might as well. So I would definitely say a broker is recommended in any transaction like this.
0: Yeah, great. Well, look, I think uh, if you've listened or watched this for long enough, you know that you know I had an exit in 2019. It was quite a small exit to the ones I used to do in in corporate? in corporate, we used to get top advisors in and we'd have data rooms and it was like a mad, mad chaotic period of trying to validate all the data. And to be honest, most of it was just a waste of of time and effort. For you, what was sort of the couple of key things that you were looking at from a, mm. a due diligence point of view that you really wanted to make sure you got right?
1: Yeah, in the due diligence side of things, we wanted to make sure that, you know, there weren't any pending, as I say, skeletons in the cupboard. Type of situation where you know there weren't any pending cases, there weren't any legacy customers which may cause issues, any pending projects which may be you know issues as well. Now in services business, I don't know if you guys know, but yes, I'm sure anybody who's involved in services business know the fact that yes, they are uh, accruals and prepayments. Somebody has prepaid you for a project, and you have to deliver, and that became kind of a, an interesting concept for us. We had to check in you know thoroughly for that as well and other than that yes it took us two to three months to get all of these things in place and quite a number of people told us later on that actually it wasn't too bad of a life cycle of the deal type of thing so you know two to three things I would say definitely check legal stuff your uh, solicitors your advisors will do that Um, financial stuff your accountant will do that and third is just common feeling biggest thing for us was Tim, the previous business owner, and me, we were able to chat. We were able to talk comfortably about things. Yes, yes. It goes a long way, believe me. We are still, you know, um, Tim is still working with the business, and we are still growing the business together. And it becomes really important when the difficult time hits after the changeover. So I would really say, yes, you should be able to communicate freely with the with your counterpart in the business before you acquire anybody else.
0: And then certainly, you know, talk as much as you, you feel comfortable. But was it a an immediate buyout? Is there an earnout? Like what, what was the structure that you had given that Tim continued with the, the business?
1: I'm not sure if, uh, you know. I can give those details, Paul. It's okay. As to I be said, honest, you, it, so, you,
0: you don't have to, but um, <laughs> the structure was agreed and it worked, and the person stayed. That's normally means there's. there's that's it. That that's it. Out.
1: Exactly. So Tim has stayed there. He's supporting us. He's growing. He has taken the role of a sales director, and um, we're growing the business together. Let's put it this way. So that's the most important thing.
0: And was there anything you found out once you had the business that you wish you had, had known earlier? Yeah, a little like, you know,
1: there were always things, but just I think what I realized was there were some key people who were there and there was, you know, some over reliance on them. So that's where, yes, having said that, we don't have changed our decision. We knew the team will change. We knew the change was coming. They knew the change was coming. So it was expected. Can I say, were there any surprises? I wouldn't expect. No, I don't think there were any surprises. Now, mind you, we have only acquired one company so far. So we are new into this as well. But yeah, in general, happy with it so far.
0: Yeah, that's great. Look, uh, I must admit, in corporate, we was involved, unfortunately, of used to buy companies, but also used to have to go to run a company that was purchased and uh, Mm -hmm. some of the gaps that were found post-acquisition were uh, quite alarming. Um, I won't go in publicly and, and say them, but, yeah, it was, it was a lot more complicated. And and as far as the customer communication, like, you know, how, how did you communicate the transition with, with uh, customers?
1: So we did quite a lot of – so we did two webinars. We did an email, a letter to all the existing customers, then we did two closed webinars for them as well. And once this was all done, then we announced it in public. So they were told beforehand so that they did not get the surprise. So they were informed beforehand that this change is coming. We also spoke strategically about the strategic alliance between target integration and Alberon first before talking about an acquisition. So made it easier for them to understand and handle overall. So most of the customers took it fine
0: you didn't lose too many clients no No. because of the transition
1: no we we did lose some of the clients but not because of the transition
0: yes yes yeah by choice (laughs) so and (laughs) as far as you know if you look at synergies as far as cross-sell opportunities was there opportunities to sell services into the base of customers that were there
1: yeah so the customers who were there were custom software customers as well as sharepoint we don't do we didn't do sharepoint before but now we are able to do sharepoint so cross-selling opportunity came this way yes. as in all of a sudden elbrons services were applicable to target integrations customers as well and from our side there we are still exploring that we haven't picked very many don't forget from a chain perspective we always think people should go for an off-the-shelf package first, and then they should go for custom. So, from a schema of things perspective, you should only go for a custom software if you can't find something off the shelf. And also, of course, if you're thinking of building something which is a niche and you're going to be a product company yourself. So we have a few companies where we, uh, when I say we this time, you know, I say Elberon, the product developers. So we are developing products for them. And they are the companies who are looking for custom software. Yeah. They are not looking for an off-the-share package because they want to sell this further. They want to resell this package further.
0: And you said it's your first, or this be your last?
1: <laughs> no, it definitely won't be the last one. It's the first one. It gave us the confidence. It gave us the experience. We are actively looking for uh, you know, acquisition opportunities. And more than acquisition, I would call them collaboration opportunities. We did realize as soon as you know the acquisition came in, there was a freshness in the organization. There was, you know, team felt, oh yeah, we are making progress. And then, you know, Elberon's team felt as well, wow, there's change coming. So we'll be able to progress further and there are opportunities for everybody in the organization. So it won't definitely be our last one. We are looking at active opportunities further in the UK. We're looking at expanding our base in the US and in Australia as well. So we'll be looking at Opportunities of software development companies, SME, CRM, ERP implementation companies, digital transformation companies, who you know would like to join the TI group and they would like to work together with us. We are not in the kind of game of acquire them anything. them. Of we are not venture capitalists. Let's put it this way: we are looking at collaboration opportunities under one brand name, so that you know there is a good relationship synergies between the organizations which can be exploited properly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Excellent. And and as far as the branding, right? did you bring it all under one umbrella? Did you keep it separate? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Mm, very good question. An initial thought, again, coming in raw. Yeah, we should actually rebrand them. But then I realized, no, why? Because think about it. Their brand is stronger in their geography. People know them as Elberon. And yes, Shakespeare once said, what is in the name? Name doesn't matter as much. What matters is, are you standing for the right ethos? And do you have enough people to support you? I know in the marketing world, people just disagree with me. And they would go, no, no, you should actually bring everybody to the same brand. And there is power in it. But as service providers, as cloud consultants, we are powerful only if we are local. And I cannot be everywhere myself. So I need stronger people in the region who can deliver this.
0: Yeah, and got,
1: they should still be on the same wavelength as me.
0: Yes. Uh, look, I, I totally agree. Having having gone through, once again, in my corporate background where we used to try to, you know, uh, well, Coca-Cola tried to put its print on everything. So everything we used to buy, we had to change brands and just all of the wasted effort and time and, and, and what have you. And I know also when, you know, if you are looking to sell your business and you think that your brand's worth something, it's, it's actually really not. So, and not many businesses on there, their asset register has, you know, uh, a large amount of, of money on the brand. Like you said, it's the relationships that you build it. and it's the referrals that matter a lot more than what the brand is. And uh, you've only got to take some of our biggest brands in the globe and you're like, well, why would you ever call that again? That brand <laughs> and the answer is probably no, right? So, uh, look, I, I totally agree. And as far as the, the mix of, you know, from a, a profit point of view like is you know product businesses it turning out to be more profitable than the service businesses are they even like what's sort of been your experience at the moment in the the we are very
1: young in the product space i think product business is nowhere compared to the services business i would love for it to be bigger but you know we are yet to push that brand out properly now just one thing i would definitely say paul from the brand perspective I think some brands are too strong, and then yes, you can. If the brand is stronger, the revenue will be stronger, anyways. So, on the product space, no, we it's not comparable as yet at all. Services are definitely stronger than products.
0: Yeah, but on reflection, is there anything you would have done materially different, knowing that this is your first and and having gone through the experience?
1: Well, we have done an analysis of the way things went, and yes, we liked the approach. You know, we met everybody, but yes. On a regular basis, I was advised that this wasn't a conventional acquisition. This wasn't. Generally, it's like, you know, employees are not a part of the acquisition. But this, in this case, they were. They were brought in. They were told about it long before the acquisition actually happened. I've been told that this is not conventional um, in the acquisition space. I would love to see the other side before I can say that, you know, what we did was right or wrong. I haven't seen, I don't have enough experience to say whether this was perfect or not, but yes, it went well. We were lucky, thankfully.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, that meeting of the minds that you spoke about, I think that's really important. If you really understand, whenever we used to do acquisitions, the first thing we did was their side, right? So mm-hmm. really understand their side as to why they're, they're selling the business, you know, what's in it for them, really understand it like you would with any business business relationship right so once you understand that it makes it a a lot easier and Mm. uh, I think that's certainly one thing the other one is for one of my clients we sold the division of his business off and they tried to keep that quiet and uh, you know in a small business it gets out right there's the photocopier there's the you know whatever there's the email that goes around (laughs) so I think it's very difficult to keep it no, completely quiet and i think you know it's it's always a risk because we're always told that have multiple options i you mm. do not know whether it's going to go through a lot of a lot mm. of these mm. all over so mm. know that but i think everyone's mature enough to know that well that's that's the game right so if you tell you exactly. that i think that there's are pretty low yeah Look, and they come along
1: cool. as well because later on they are the ones who are going to you know run this for the new team as well so it's important to bring them together
0: yeah, correct. I suppose an analogy is like parenting, right? The more you involve your children, True. typically, the, the better it's yeah. going to be. It's the same with, with employees. Well, look, I'm glad it has gone well to, to date. I'm glad that you're, you know, this is your first of many. And and thanks for coming on because we haven't had anyone on the podcast. And this is, you know, uh, episode 493 that have gone through an experience like this. So it's great. And we hope to have more people on as as you have success and get inspired by Roberts journey so what we're going to do now is go to the rapid file where i'm going to ask you four questions and get quick rapid replies so the first one is what are some of the daily sales habits that you do to grow target integration
1: marketing on a regular basis i get involved in marketing and you know my personal linkedin is buzzing as well
0: yeah great i believe you've got a good youtube channel as well
1: we sure do so on a again weekly basis we go okay well there should be a video going out on a weekly basis more demos more videos we have a wide range of product that we offer as well the biggest difference between us and uh, all the other organizations is we don't sell the agenda apologies you know our vendors sometimes don't like it but i always tell that look we are on the side of the customer the customer is king and if the customer has a problem I want to hear that problem before I go, look, you should take paracetamol or you should take antibiotics. You know, you need to understand their problem and then go, okay, well, you need Zendesk or you need SAP or you need Odoo. And yes, our marketing is very important. Yes, we have a very popular, very good uh, YouTube channel. Of course called target integration as well um so check it out and yeah you'll see yeah, there are good useful guides there
0: yeah great and we'll have all the links in the show notes for that so the next one is uh where do you go to seek more knowledge
1: conversations like these on a regular basis i learn from people um i even learned from my juniors as well this morning uh, the hr team when i was talking to them they mentioned oh another team in the organization is used asking us to use this software for interviews I was like, let me have a look because I'd never heard of it. And then I learn. So you you try and learn from everybody that you come across. You try and take their experience. Even you learn from interviews, so many, like, you know, recruitment interviews. You, you, you're hiring people. And when you're trying to understand them, you try and ask questions and be intrigued about their life. And then you learn from them. So... Knowledge comes, you know, if you're seeking for it. Brilliant,
0: brilliant. And the the next one is what's one wish we could grant targeted integration? Uh,
1: Target integration should launch its IPO soon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Well, you've got the early uh, oil on it here. And the last one is, you know, we've talked about the acquisition a lot today, but just in target integration's journey, what what do you know now that you wish i had known earlier?
1: How to read a and l statement. It's as basic as that. It's as basic as that. I'm an engineer by trade. So when I started the business, it was like, yeah, let's start the business. As a you know sole consultant, you start running the business. And then you come across the stage that, look, I have eight hours in a day, out of which I do need to take care of probably three hours in admin and rest of the stuff. So I only have billable five hours. And how can I grow with that? So then you start reading your PL statement, you realize, look, what is working? And then you start hiring one, two people. The second, if you would have asked, probably I should have said, you know, once I started reading the PL statement it became apparent. But how to train people up, how to bring people to the same level of consultancy as you can deliver is also another important bit.
0: I think that's that's brilliant. I'm pleasantly surprised just how the, the financial literacy within this industry you know i came from an industry coca-cola 150 years old like you know we were absolutely drilled i, I did a bachelor's accounting at university so i uh, know a little bit but at coke we would just constantly hammered on the numbers it was uh, incredible whereas a lot of you and and i'm sad to say you know you listen to Rowett, you know thinking about p and and cash flows is you, you're probably underpaying yourself right and i think most owners of businesses do And uh, when people come to me for growth, the first thing I say is you got to wipe your debt and you got to pay yourself a commercial wage. And they're like, I can't afford it. I'm like, yes, that's why we're here to grow your business, right? So uh, I think for you, uh, do that, whether it's your accountant or uh, reach out to me at at pauligansmentoring.com and I can certainly help. But uh, Rowett, Brian, having you on, we'll have all the links in the show notes and uh, have a great uh, day there in the UK, and I hope the sun is shining.
1: Thank you, Paul. You have a fantastic day as well, and speak to you soon, or evening, I should say. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Bye.
0: That was a great interview by Rowett. What a wonderful guy, uh, great experience. Reach out to him if you want to know more knowledge because he's very, very uh, open and generous, but also if you think that you'd be a great company to collaborate or partner with or maybe an acquisition target for him, certainly reach out. Why don't you share it with some friends as well that are thinking in the same thing? They'll think you're a rock star. Check out our solo shows. Don't forget scaling your cloud consulting business. There's a blueprint that's going to help you do that at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash blueprint and take action to make your ambitions a reality just like Rowett has done. Learning is just one piece of the puzzle. It is now time for action. Head to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. Get the links and put it into action. Head to your favorite podcast platform, subscribe, rate, and review the show. Suggest topics for me to cover at paul at paulhigginsmentoring.com. And don't wait one more minute to gain access to content, especially for you, a cloud consultant, at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash newsletter. This could be the difference between wasting time figuring it out yourself or scaling quickly with less effort to enjoy life.